The Empire. We are The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy Thursday to you all. AJ Salson here on the Full Court Press, 4.01 p.m. Your kickoff time as we start here on a Thursday, January 16th of 2020. Cloudy day, cold. Welcome to Utah in November through February, uh, <laughs> where it's just ugly. It's just gloomy, and it's ugly, and it's miserable, and you never want to go outside. Alongside me uh, is joining me, of course, as always, it's our Adam the intern. He's, uh, he's here helping us out. And then... On the other side of the mic, though, is AJ Knight. Welcome back, AJ. Thanks for joining me. Happy to be back, AJ. Anytime. We, we've got a delicious show for you all. We'll get through our uh, press conference uh, starring Gary Anderson, Stacey Collins, Frank Male, and, of course, a new newest member of the staff in Bodie Reader, the new offensive coordinator coming via North Texas. Uh, their press conference was held this morning. We've got audio bites for you galore. We'll share those audio bites with you and break them down as well. Jazz Pelicans tonight, 6 o'clock, pregame at 545. We'll have that here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, and then, of course, Con Smith will join us at the top of the hour at 5 o'clock. We'll talk with him about his uh, experience of being under Bobby Knight. Oh, boy. <laughs> Can't wait for the stories. And, then of course, his fishing experiences. This guy is a fisherman expertise. Or what's the fancy word for expert? Math? No, master's not fancy. Uh, Did you say math? I was gonna say master fishing. Uh, no, there's like there's a uh, exposoire. No, I can't remember. There's there's a really cool word for like being an expert, and I can't remember what fishing it is. Jedi. No, uh, oh, I just had it, and I don't remember. Anyways, he's an expert and an exposoire. I'm gonna use that word now. Uh, in regards of fishing life, and so we're gonna break it down with him. He's been fishing with many, many people, and the stories are awesome. You will not want to miss an interview. That's coming up at five o'clock. That will pretty much run us into jazz pregame. We'll get some uh, jazz preview in for you, and also some national stories. There's a ton of national stuff going on, including there's a little bit going on in baseball. Not a whole lot. Not too much. There's you a know, little bit, though. Someone only losing a job before they actually get to do the job. <laughs> Thanks to Hey, you know how we niece? hired you? Ah, just kidding. <laughs> Thanks to a family member who's not being claimed as part of the family anymore. Funny how that works, right? Right. Uh, let's start here, though. Utah State has announced their new offensive coordinator, and there is staff restructure on the defensive side. Uh, Gary, uh, Coach Gary Anderson announced on Wednesday that they're hiring Bodie Reeder as the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach while current assistants Stacey Collins and Frank Miley will now serve as co-defensive coordinators, meaning that Justin Anna now will uh, fulfill the role as the inside linebackers coach. Boje will continue to remain as the outside linebackers coach. Mark o- Mark Orphy will remain as the secondary coach. Uh, both of them serve those current roles as they did in the 2019 season. Uh, Reader comes to Utah State after serving as the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at uh, North Texas in 19 and Eastern Washington in 17 and 18. Uh, Reader also spent three seasons as an offensive quality control coach at Oklahoma State, four seasons as the uh, OC and quarterbacks coach at Wisconsin Stout. That is not the Big Ten football team. That's Wisconsin Stout, everybody. Uh, Reader also began his uh, beer. collegiate coaching career as a graduate assistant at Eastern Illinois for two seasons. Hey, let me ask you something. Yes, a, sir. A resume, a resume like this where he hasn't really coached at one of the 
I, I got to say, premier D1 colleges, right? North Texas, I wouldn't really, I don't know if I put that there. They were dominating, they were dominating years ago, back in 04, when uh, Utah State and North Texas were in the Sun Belt. So it's been a while. Right. Would you ever say, as a fan of the Aggies, would you ever say, I'm a little bit worried that his resume is a little bit more prestigious? Um, maybe. I think it's interesting because the Aggies obviously would love leaving and Bright leaving are a little bit transitioned, so I think there's some opening there to kind of change things up a little bit. I think uh, there were some hiccups there between the offensive coordinator that did leave and then Jordan Love, and so... um. I don't think so. I think NFL, or excuse me, football as a whole is kind of trended that way. You've seen it in the NFL, and I think it's only ticking down that as opposed to looking for the resume, everybody's trying to find that young guy who's got the next great thing. And so it's not really surprising, I think, because I think NFL or football as a whole has gone that way. Everybody wants that young kid who's got the, the new wrinkle that makes their offense a little bit different. That's understandable. And that makes sense as well. Uh, by the way, 5231 text in. And uh, you can also text in, too, at uh, 435-339-0321, 435-339-0321. But uh, 532, or excuse me, 5231 text in and says, are you thinking of the word maestro? Thank you. <laughs> maestro. <laughs> Someone got he your back He is the maestro of fishing. I love it. Good on you for helping me out. <laughs> Uh, That's we're a team. See, it's not a one man show. It's a team it's effort. It's a team effort. Every other sport. It's, it's a, yeah, there you go. Uh, let's go ahead and get into some of the press for a bit. We'll start with Coach Gary Anderson, who started off with his opening statement here uh, on the new restructuring of the defensive staff and, of course, the new hiring of Bodie Reader. Okay, first, I appreciate Doug throwing this together for us. Um, it's, I thought it was important for everybody to kind of get together and. Shoot out the questions that we have. You know, we talked after the season of, you know, dissecting ourselves, uh, starting with myself and um, doing everything we can to make sure that we uh, move in the right direction to continually progress uh, the young men that are in our football program on the field and off the field. And, you know, so we've made some decisions. Uh, they're, they're great decisions, in my opinion. Uh, they're well thought out. And, I'll, you know, I'll start with, uh, you know, Frank and Stacy. Uh, you know, Frank and Stacy a year ago on the other side of the ball. Um, I think they'll be the first ones to tell you they're better in their positions they are today because of what they uh, coached last year, being on the other side of the football, being involved in the offense in that setting, in that scenario. I think it's a great opportunity for us to be able to move on. And you know, when you look at it, you look at it as a whole of the defense. You look at it as a whole of uh, the young men that are coming back within the defensive structure. And I think we're in a great spot. Uh, I know they're excited. I know that our kids are excited. And, the, you know, the other important part of that piece is the whole defensive staff is together on this. There's not a bunch of, you know, we don't walk into a room and the room is stressed and it's all tenseful. It's all a tense situation, excuse me. It's, uh, we're, we're in a good place. And it's because I think we've talked it out from the very beginning and we've discussed it. And, you know, obviously there's hard decisions that have to be made, but uh, everybody's all in, I would say. And uh, I'll let them take it from there. And, you know, with Bodie, it was uh, – it was a, a long process. Anybody that knows me very well uh, knows that uh, you know I usually make decisions very quickly, and I don't take a lot of time to think about hires uh, usually. Uh, this time I thought it was very important that I did everything I could to take my time, uh, interview for myself as far as interviewing coaches, uh, a large number of coaches, and looking at uh, a bigger group of uh, coaches as we went through that process. And um, it became very clear that this was the guy to me, what we were looking for. Uh, 
yes, success everywhere he's been. You know, he's ground himself up through the process of coaching. Um, he's worked like crazy. He's, uh, you know, every time he's gone, he's taken a step forward, a step forward, a step forward, and he's always uh, progressed in a very positive way for him and his family and for his offense or his position that he was coaching, uh, which is great to see. And, you know, as we go through time, uh, he's a grinder, and we're looking for somebody that is a, a great quarterback teacher, can run a room, can be the general manager of the offense, um, and is tough. And that's what we've got. So I'm very excited about these three guys, and I'm very excited about the staff as a whole and for our opportunities to be able to move forward. But uh, these guys are all, all three great leaders, and um, they can manage the defensive side of the football. They can manage the offensive side of the football at a very, very high level, in my opinion which in turn allows me to be the head coach that I need to be here at Utah State to uh, help the kids you know, reach their potential on and off the field. So the uh, last thing I'm going to say is I promise you this whole staff is all in on this, and uh, we're ready for the, the battles that are ahead of us, and I'm um, excited to get with these kids today in the indoor at uh, 3 o'clock and have a, a little run. When you look at uh, Bodie Reeder as the offensive coordinator, one thing that stands out to me, AJ, is the fact that uh, Bodie's offense in 2018 at Eastern Washington set a school record with 623 points scored, and that included six games of at least 50 points. Uh, Eastern Washington produced at least 600 yards of total offense five times that season and set school records with 3,839 rushing yards, which is about 255 average per game, and 41 rushing touchdowns. Yet, when Bodie Reeder was asked about what his, uh, what his offense will look like here at Utah State... There's a little bit of a different feel than what we've seen the last two years. Well, you know, me and Frank have had a great relationship here from the start, and obviously, considered. That's not the bite. Hold on, <laughs> Stacy. Doggone you, dude. You have one job, man. One job, Stacy. Do not answer unless spoken to. Oh, let's try that again. Here we go. This is Bodie Reader on what the USU offense and uh, uh, what he would would like to see out of it. What he's seen out of film when he's watched Utah State, and what he wants to see out of the offense coming up in the 2000. 20 football season you know first of all uh guys played really really hard and that's something that we're going to keep consistent going future uh like coach said is a, a tough-minded football team that played really well in close football games and their their energy and effort was really high and that's going to that's going to stay the same um that's that really stuck out uh, obviously had great quarterback play and have really good skill players and young offensive linemen and and tight ends they're going to continue to grow and progress I don't think it's the, our number one goal. I think that we're going to have the ability to go fast, but we're going to dictate the, taste, the pace of play. We're going to make sure we're playing uh, complimentary football and, and, and taking care of, of everyone in the locker room and, and making sure that we can change, change speeds. Uh, if I could just add on to that, too, I, I really believe in you – know, he, he, he wants to go fast. If the first day they walk out, they're going to go fast, which is awesome. But he said it best in the interview to me. Um, and just explain your basketball analogy oh, yeah. that you gave me. Yeah, yeah. I was an average high school basketball player, right? You know, so uh, if I was guarding a guy that came from the opening tip going a million miles an hour, my mind and my body sped up to his pace. But if I was going to guard a guy that was constantly changing pace, he was herky-jerky, he was going to you know, shuffle step me, that was tough. So I think uh, that plays in the hands of the, of the offense if, if they can change the pace of the game. Your reaction is kind of set a best of the accent left your mic on. No, uh, it's just you, interesting because Reader said we'll mix it up. 
Which I, th- I think is reasonable. You're not going to go fast, fast, fast all the time, especially with a new QB. But I think it's interesting that Anderson said, no, 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 we're going to go fast. i just like to point out to you, and you know the Aggies way better than I do. You spend a lot of time around the program. I think it's really interesting that a lot of their coaching hires is really shuffling different chairs around, except for Reader. So for the OC, they brought a new voice in, but everybody else, they kind of moved the same parts around and maybe find something that fits them better. Well, that's kind of interesting you mentioned that. Collins returns to the defensive side of the ball. Now, he spent the 2019 season uh, working with the running backs. Uh, this is his fifth season at Utah State. Uh, during the 17 and 18 season, he was actually with the inside linebackers. Right. Uh, and so he's he spent a majority of his time. In fact, of his 22 years of, of coaching in the college ranks, uh, there's the four years as a head coach and five more years as a defensive coordinator. Now, for Frank Male, he's really a majority of defensive-minded. Uh, he he coached tight ends last year. Right. Um, before that, he was on the he was on he was on the defensive side of the ball, um, and then they moved him back to the defensive side now as a co-defensive coordinator, uh, which I think is really really big for Utah State. This defense they got they got thrashed. We talked about this yesterday, Adam, the intern, and I. Yeah. How bad it was when they gave up fifty one points to Kent State. Fifty one points to a yeah. team that had no right or no business scoring fifty one on you. No, di- actually, you know what? All the disrespect to Kent State, but you shouldn't score fifty one on Utah State. In no way should that have happened. Uh, and and actually, before we get to that, I want to continue with the style of offense that Reader was talking about. He kind of goes more specific into what he's been doing so far. Uh, well, uh, first of all, we want to take advantage of the, of, the, of the guys that we have in the room. We want to play to the strengths of our offense. We're going to have uh, multiple tempos and uh, multiple personnels and make sure that we're getting the balls to our, our playmakers in space and in the correct fashion in which they need to get it. Um, you know, uh, I don't believe in a, you know, a, a, a book or a, a video type of system of an offense. We're going to make sure that we're multiple and we're make sure that we have different schemes that can attack the defense from sideline to sideline. That right there kind of is what really I wanted to take out of it, is to work from sideline to sideline. That's something that Yost was really good at, is spreading the field with his offense. Even if it was going to be a, a run, you know, just a trap run around the side or a power run to the other side or just a straight up go up the middle of the gut, he always used the whole entire field with his receivers. And then even like when he go five spread, he spread the whole entire defense out. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's a big thing. Like Kyle Shanahan for the 49ers getting a lot of compliments for that because, um, and it was one of the things that they said the Cowboys really liked about handing the offense over to, um, was OC, blanking on his name, the Boise State quarterback. Uh, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is that they built in motions into their offense, which are really simple, but they can help you get a good read on the defense ahead of time while also opening things up. You motion a running back out of the backfield, and it opens up a – middle of the field where the linebacker goes with him. The thing that stood out to me, I really like hearing him say that I want to work with what I have because I think that is that is the sign of success. If you're a coach that can take what your strengths are of your players and adapt the system to them, I think you're going to have way more success. And it's also going to allow you to fit year to year what is best for the team as opposed to saying, this is my system, get these guys, no, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, and, and another thing to that with that, you got to understand of – I mean, when you bring an offense in, you've got new guys learning it now because Jordan yep. Love is not there, Jordan Nathan's not there, Gerald yep. Bright's not there, Savon Scarver's not there, Siosu Mariner, Caleb Rep. You're asking new guys to learn this offense. I think that's what benefits Reader the most is that they're not stuck to one entire offense. It's, it's going to be new for them. 
Um, and if it's somewhat similar, I think, look, the verbiage, terminology, the hand signals and all that will be completely different, of course. But I still feel like they'll, that Anderson will try to encourage Bodie Reader to keep it simple. Um, yeah, well, I mean, they're going to, I mean, we'll find out pretty quickly how the team handles it. They do not have an easy 2020 schedule. No, no their schedule's brutal. In fact, I want to get to, I want to get to that with you in just a bit. Uh, here is uh, Coach Reader on why he decided to choose USU. You know, Coach Anderson and this program have a great tradition and a great uh, history of success. And uh, talking to people in the profession, there's not a better guy to work for. And uh, I've had some connections on staff, guys that I knew prior, and I knew it was a great group of guys to come in and, and, and blend with. Uh, you know, when you're outside looking in, uh, a program like this is tough, and they work hard, and they earn every inch that they get, and that's the type of program that I want to be a part of. That's the type of program he's going to get. And uh, one of the things on the offensive side of the ball that I'm actually most excited about is the QB competition. you got this Josh kid. you got Cooper Legault from Oregon. Uh, Orem, and then you've got, of course, Andrew Peasley will be back healthy, and Henry Columby, who uh, took the majority of backup reps behind Jordan Love, whether it was in camp, in practice, or at games. And so when I asked, in fact, I asked this question to Coach, I asked him about the QB competition, he said, look, it's more than just about Henry and Andrew. There's two other quarterbacks who want to compete for a position and who think they have a chance. First of all, when we talk about you know the competition at any spot, that's it's all over this team right now, and those kids know that they competed in the weight room this morning. Um, those guys are going to compete each against each other, and you know uh, Cooper and Josh aren't going to sit there and say I don't want to compete either. So they're all going to have an opportunity to battle and and compete in those settings. And I really think that this is uh, well, I know this is true again from interviewing Bodie as we went through it. That there there's an opportunity for both those first two young right, young men right now to be a huge part of our offense. Um, you know, there, there's some unique athletic ability that we have with two of our quarterbacks, and I believe Andrew's one of them and Cooper is the other one. No, just, I mean, they're, they're elite athletically as far as quarterbacks goes. And I'm not taking away from Henry and Josh, but, you know, if you line them up and run them in a 40, it's going to go the other two guys' ways, whatever, right? So, And the other ones have the intangibles that are different. So my point being that we can use both of those young men um, as a very as a vicious weapon, you know, and uh, does the offense drastically change one way or the other? That's, you know, that's his, his staff to be able to, himself and his staff to be able to dissect and figure it out. But, yes, there will be a starting quarterback, there's no doubt. Um, you know, right now Henry is there because he's got the – the, the upper hand and we go through spring because he's had the reps and we go through those opportunities. But, you know, Andrew's not going to say, I don't want to compete. He's going to compete like crazy. And, and I think there's, you know, a possible niche for both of those kids because they are different. And I just look at it from a defensive standpoint. If I have to deal with just say it's those two kids in that spot or there's two athletic guys and two other guys that play different, it's hard for me, right? It's like playing, playing against pace. Then all of a sudden it's a muddle huddle. Then all of a sudden it's a huddle. Uh, all of a sudden, those things are very difficult for, for defenses to prepare for, and you're eating up practice time. That's team concept football, even on Tuesday or Wednesday of practice. Let me ask you something. Look, Henry and Andrew Peasley have taken the majority of the reps behind center, actually all the reps compared to the other two quarterbacks, behind center in the last two years. Does that give them a favorable advantage despite a new offensive coordinator and a new head coach, I guess a new head coach based from two years ago to now? Does that give them the advantage over Cooper Lega and, uh, and Joshua? I would say initially, yes, because I would think so. When you set the depth chart for spring, you'll probably go with the more experienced guys. But, you know, with the, 
new offensive coordinator kind of shuffling around on the coaching staff, I think the message should always be, hey, this is a new staff. This is a new system. So experience is a factor, but I think if you get the system or you fit the system better, you're going to go with the player that produces the most. Just because they're experienced doesn't mean they're going to be the best fit for the system or they're going to be the most productive. How much? I mean, because I, I look at Henry Columbine, he's got a great arm, he's got great vision, he's got he's got incredible, he's got moxie to throw a ball in the tight places, which a lot of quarterbacks wouldn't throw to. Uh, Andrew Peasley's got the legs and the vision to see gaps, be able to run through, He's and he's a tough, tough son of a gun. He, he hardly and rarely, and he needs to start more doing this, but he needs to slide, and he rarely does. In fact, I remember two years ago when, I can't I think it was San Jose State they were playing, but uh, <laughs> uh, Andrew... Uh, runs for a first down, and then two linebackers co- you know, converge on him. And instead of just getting down and sliding after getting three yards past the marker, he just goes, puts his head down and goes head on with him. Matt Wells, and this is almost in an empty stadium in the fourth quarter, Matt Wells comes on the field and is like, what the bleep are you doing? Get the bleep down! And we're like, oh. <laughs> Everybody heard that in the stadium. <laughs> yeah, but and, and that's the thing is, you love the quarterback who has the toughness, but you also... I mean, and he's and this is what I think Coach Anderson was referring to, and you can agree or not agree here, but having two quarterbacks who can do two different things very, very well is what can make this team really good offensively. Yeah, I mean, scouting purposes for sure. I think in college, the game still favors um, mobile quarterbacks. That doesn't necessarily mean you should take the mobile over the pure pocket passer. Um, I just think it depends on what, what readers uh looking for. Because, again, I think experience early on will definitely be a factor, and you'd expect the ones, the more experienced players to you know, have a good grasp on concepts and be able to digest the new playbook quickly. But, again, whoever fits the system, I think, is who you go with. I, I, it's not like uh, with Jordan Love, it's not like a ton of people have really seen snaps of the quarterback position the last two seasons. So it's not like there's anybody that's had a chance to really show anything outside of practice. So I... I New new OC especially, new coaching staff, but new OC uh, this season, new coaching staff obviously last season. I think the message is fresh start. Anybody can impress. This is a new system. We're going to put the best players out there. Sure. I, uh, I want to get on to, uh, to the defensive side of the ball here in just a bit, but my, my concluding thoughts with this offensive hire is I love it. I love it. I think it's a young guy who has some energy, who wants something to prove. Yeah. He, you know, one year at North Texas, uh, things didn't go entirely great there. He comes to Utah State, uh, and he's got a ton of talent in his pocket. He's got a, look. There's a lot more talent than people think that are in that in this offensive side of the ball. Right. If he can use it right with the experience that he has, both in him himself and on this team of the roster of players on the offensive side of the ball. They could do some good things. I don't know if they're going to be magical as 2018 football season was, but it could still be pretty gosh dang good. And I think that's and it's just you are, a you don't want to live up to those expectations or worry about those expectations because it's a brand new start. Really, it is with brand new quarterback. Yeah, it is new starting running back. A lot of new starting I mean, receivers. It's, it's only Gary Anderson's second second season this go around. Yeah, too, this go around. So. so yeah, there's but there's a lot more into it. So uh, and then another thing that kind of stood out to me, and I actually talked with Adam the intern and and uh, someone else about this. Is listening to Coach Gary Anderson today, he just seemed more lively. He just seemed really energetic. And maybe I'm looking too much into it. But, I mean, just the way he came in, you know, he could just tell he, he looked refreshed. And he looked happy to be there. And he was excited. And, 
it's just something I was really grateful to see that Coach Gary Anderson, you know, mm-hmm. it just the the want to be there, you know, and the excitement to get the season going, you know, the spring ball and all that. You can just see it starting to kind of get niching them, and uh, that's that was really refreshing. After seeing them last year, it was really refreshing to see on my end. Yeah, and I think that's what a new some staff changes can do for you. I think that uh, new ideas, new energy, especially for Reader. It's I mean, no offense to him, it's the best job he's taken. Uh, just another one to your point about the excitement about the program. Mountain West was pretty good conference last year in football too. So I know it's not Power Five experience because you were talking about the experience for Reader before, but. Mountain West was a good conference last year, so I think new ideas, new energy can have that kind of trickle-down effect. Speaking of which, uh, here's Gary Anderson recapping the 2019 football season. Uh, you know, 2019, if I look back at it, and the first thing that I, I look at, I've been on the phone all morning with a bunch of people communicating about you know Jordan and um, different people that cover different teams and what have you, and it makes me reflect on that exact same because that's kind of what they're asking me about Jordan. And um, I would look at the whole team as a whole and say this was an extremely tough-minded team. Seven games went down to the last wire. They won five of them. Had two tough defeats. Happened to be the first game of the year and the last game of the year. They kind of went down to the wire, and you know, we weren't able to finish in those. But we had some great opportunities where we had to make a run. Um, you know, to get ourselves bowl eligible, we had to make a run to be able to stay in contention to play our last league game. You know, it's it's uh, uh, we're right in it uh, to go compete for the championship and have a chance to be able to win our side and go play in the championship game. That didn't happen. So. Um, a very tough, tough, mentally tough team. Um, a team that was young and a team that has to become physically more dominant to stand up week in and week out um, against teams that play with great physicality. And on our side, we have two or three teams, if you just look back at last year, that play with extreme physicality. And uh, we have to be able to match that. We have a non-conference schedule every single year that's going to force us to match up to extreme physicality depending on how the schedule you know, filters its way out. Um, next year, we're going to play at least one of those teams. We'll see where the schemes goes with the other teams, but uh, you know they want to line up and smash you in the mouth and you know uh, uh, move on to the next game and and be very physically dominant. So we have to prepare for that. It's a big push in the off season, and our kids are accepting that role very very uh, well right now. Uh, we put big expectations on them in the strength room, and um, the kids are handling that at this point. And the other thing I would say is. Just unbelievable relationships that you get to build every single year. And I've never had a year where I wouldn't say that because that's the fact of the matter is, is that's who we are as coaches. We're, you know, we always talk about it. I'm going to hire guys that care about kids first, um, and I'm going to hire great coaches second. And so in turn, that allows us to be able to have some very special relationships. And, you know, there's a lot of faces that we don't get to see every day, but those are still faces that, uh, you know, know that we're going to be there for them and they can reach out to us and communicate. So, you know, lastly, I would say, we're, we're all blessed to be able to coach what was a great bunch of kids, and they battled their tails off for Aggie Nation. That team finished a 7-6 and six on the season with a loss to, uh, bull loss to Kent State, also losses to Air Force, BYU, and Boise State in blowouts, but did get a significant win over San Diego State, lost to Wake Forest by three, had to go toe-to-toe in Death Valley in a hot, hot afternoon against the, well, future national champions. Speaking they played of, with them for about a half. Yeah. And then, of course, LSU became LSU, flexor muscle. Speaking of LSU, they have just lost their defensive coordinator. Yep. Former defensive coordinator Dave Aranda has left LSU. He will now be the new head coach at Baylor University. That team needs to work on his defense, so maybe he could help. <laughs> and the Big 12 is well, a big, conference. But the whole entire Big 12 is a whole. The whole conference needs to work on its defense. Absolutely. So Dave Aranda has left LSU. He now becomes the head coach 
at uh, Baylor University. That is uh, per report from Bruce Feldman. Hey, can I ask you a question about the Aggies? Yeah. So where did the where did the 2019 season fall for you? Because you alluded to it. Wake Forest, I think people were really surprised by the loss. Jordan Love didn't play his best in that game, but then they were a top 25 team basically the whole year. LSU, I think most people, even at the beginning of the season, despite coming off 2018, didn't expect that to be a win, and then they were the national champions. But they got into a bowl, but I feel like, was it expectations were too high because of 2018, or was it just that Gary Anderson with these shuffles didn't have necessarily his team quite figured out yet, staffing and personnel-wise? I think there was a little bit of a, a shock factor to it. Uh, when you have Justin Anna come over to the defensive side of the ball, everyone, because they had a ton of guys coming back defensively, and you thought that defensively this team was going to be right. just, I mean, dynamite. And instead they get cooked for 38 by Wake Forest, they get cooked by, you know, for 31 by Air Force, get blasted by, you know, for 42 points by a BYU, and then 51 points to Kent State. You gave up 41 and a half to Boise State. Yeah. And I think that's where everyone's kind of like, I mean, so – was the all? I mean, we all said, and in fact, Coach Anderson says it really well, and I'm paraphrasing here, so forgive me. But seven wins is seven wins is good. Eight to nine wins is great. Anything above that is more than you could ever ask for, and is a huge blessing. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with that because remember, they lost a ton of talent from that 18 team. You lost Jalen Green, who's now playing for the Rams. You lost. Uh, you lost a good chunk of O-line. Well, you lost some of your own line, but uh, Quinn Ficklin was like, well, I mean, he was a starting center for three years. You lost a great deal of your defense, including Lears and Gage Ferguson and John Trail Rockamore. Um, you do get David Woodward back, but he plays just over the half of the season before he right. gets injured and is out for the year. You lost your starting offensive lineman, probably your best offensive lineman, like five games in. And so you're, you're, you're makeshifting your offensive line practically the whole entire time. Your receivers are different, including you use a punt re- slash kick returner as a receiver who just really never got the got in rhythm of being a receiver. You do have the two transfers. And so I just think there was a lot of, of meshing it together, just putting glue on things and then saying, hey, look, let's just get – not saying that they were just trying to go through the motions with the season. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But at some point you got to say – Let's just get through this with our best coaching effort, with our players' best effort, and see where we get to at the end. Seven and six is not what we all thought it would be. But getting to a bowl game, because we, and, and, and everybody's got to, we all kind of forget this, AJ. And, and back in, I, I've been an Aggie guy for years, my whole life. I remember vividly 99, 2001, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 where we didn't even sniff five wins. If we got four wins, we were thrilled. I still remember Riley Nielsen going to Utah State, playing one year there, going on a mission, coming back and deciding to go to the dark side called BYU, <laughs> then going to lead BYU on a comeback rally win over Utah State. Uh, I, I, I still remember those days, man, and it makes me want to just throw up. And yeah. so I look at it now and I say, dude, we've been to what, eight, seven bowl games, eight bowl games in nine years? This is yeah. great. This is incredible. I'll take this, but I want to see valid improvement coming up here in the next couple of years. No, I, I I wasn't saying one way or the other. That's why I wanted to ask you because you're more tapped into it to me because my, my experience with the Aggies is obviously much more recent. And so 2018 sticks out a lot more for me 
as opposed to you have a much longer memory of it. And so I, you know, when you come off a season like that, I think it's difficult not to have raised expectations, and I think you detailed well. The talent loss, the injuries, clearly with the shuffling of the coaching staff this year, I think it's, you know, Coach Gary Anderson didn't necessarily have the guys in their best position. He's still figuring it out, and so that's why I was just curious as to how you kind of graded the season as a whole coming off of 2018. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I guess as a whole, I'd say maybe a C plus, a C. Okay. Because, that look, I knew they were going to lose some games. I didn't think there was going to be the Air Force or BYU, and I thought we were going to be Boise State, to be honest with you. And then if you would have told me that Kent State was going to put 51 points on us, I would have called you an absolute disaster and say you have no idea what you're talking about. Right. No way do we give up 51 to the uh, to Kent State when we have a defense that we have. Um, So I'd, I'd say a C. I'm with you. I think uh, I, as I, I'm a Purdue fan, and so we're not that great in the Big yeah, Ten. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so I'm with you. Six, six should be the the floor. There should be no at this point. There should be no reason the Aggies can't make a bowl game at least every year. Absolutely. And you build from there. All right, we can get to. We're gonna get to some uh, defensive side of the uh, of the uh, press conference and and Coach Malay and Coach Collins as they were announced as co-defensive coordinators. Uh, no pick six today, by the way. We're going to skip that. We have Jazz Pelicans preview. We do need to talk Major League Baseball. There is stuff coming out, and it's coming out in a flurry, like a volcano. And it's a lot, and you got to be able to, you know, we want to intake it all before it, you know, it gets all out there. And maybe, if it does, ever die off. It's AJ Knight. I'm Ajay Salas, and you're listening to the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. AJ Knight, Eric France. It's okay. I think I'm much prettier than Eric Franson. I don't. Right. I just I said AJ Knight and Eric Franson. Yeah, that, that's why I'm running the show by myself. What are you even doing here? I'm kidding. You're much prettier than Eric, too. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm very well aware of this. It I- goes, it goes, you, me, intern Adam, Rod, and then Eric. Newsman Rod. Gabby, the intern before Eric. Oh, yeah, her too. Sorry. We'll take those two before. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. AJ Knight, AJ Salzin here on 106 on FM, 1390 AM, the fan. <laughs> Full court press. Uh, we're going to get into just a couple of bites because we really do need to talk baseball here. I got to get your thoughts on this craziness that's going on. So uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get into a little bit of baseball talk. Uh, but really quickly, again, as we have already talked about and it's already been announced, uh, Stacy Collins and uh, Frank Miley are going to be on the defensive side of the ball, serving as co-defensive coordinators, which means Justin Enna will now serve as the inside linebackers coach. And so Collins starts off here. Uh, this is him on being uh, co-defensive coordinators with uh, Frank. Well, you know, me and Frank have had a great relationship here from the start, and obviously considered through the bowl game last year when Frank was the interim head coach and we had a chance to work on on those levels. But it's always been a collaborative effort here, and it always will be. And we have an unbelievable defensive staff. It will be a collaborative effort, not just with us, but with the whole the whole group. Coach Yen is one of the finest linebacker coaches in America. We're, we're fired up to have him. Coach Orfe is going to have a bigger role on the back end, and he is a, a rising star in this business on the back end. And, and extremely excited to have Bojay, you know, coaching the B-backers, a position he played not only here, but also at the highest level in the NFL. So 
so we'll collaborate with it. We'll put a game plan together with it. We uh, and when we when we hit that when we hit those game days on Saturdays, there'll be definitive plan how we're calling and working it. But it'll always be a collaborative collaborative job with an unbelievable staff. So it's going to be put together a little bit of everybody putting their hand to the pot and just trying to mix it into a uh, really good recipe. But here is Coach Miley, Coach Anderson, and Coach Collins on what the defense will be like next season. Uh, it's, it's going to look similar to what you saw in 2018. So we're going to be a multiple off front 3-4 defense uh, is what we're going to be running this this uh, with, with, with the ability to get into some of the even fronts uh, and with different coverages. So... Uh, Stacey, anything else to add to that? You know, we, we really want to bring the attacking style of defense back. You know, uh, hard, you know, hard emphasis on the takeaways. You know, we were fortunate in 2018 to lead the nation in takeaways. Three and outs, you know, get, up, get ourselves off the field, get the offense a chance to get back on, change those paces, put the stress on other defenses, TFLs and sacks, and then playing great red zone defense, forcing field goals down there and blocking those field goals. And that's our blueprint, and that's the blueprint we'll stay with. And with the whole overall goal of doing everything we can to help win as a full, full team, both offense, defense, and special teams. One thing that we've really been able to do that that enables us to become more multiple in that area is what we recruited a year ago. All those young linebackers are now growing and maturing. And you saw some of them get many opportunities, especially after you know, Woody went down last year. You saw some young faces hop in those spots. And you know Frank and Stacy and the whole defensive staff will do a great job. And you know, those linebackers have great coaching with Justin and with Boje. They're in a tremendous spot to be able to get better as young players quickly. Um, and like they said, it's very important, and I didn't mention it earlier, but our ability to be able to play as a team defense, team offense, team special teams um, is so key. And these guys know that. Our whole staff knows that. And you know, every week that could change. It's different when you play Air Force as far as a team's concept than maybe when you play whomever the other team is. So um, matching the scheme is something these guys have done a great job with in, in a very short period. AJ, the biggest problem I felt like the defense had wasn't really on their end. It was more on the offensive end when they'd go three and out in 30 seconds. Yeah. And then Air Force would spend 12 minutes running the ball in one possession. <laughs> and then the offense would go three and out in 35 seconds the next time. Any, any, those triple option teams are always tough to prepare for because the games are always so much more physical. But yeah, I totally agree with you. I think um, the defense had a, a tougher task because in, in the 2018 season, they were able to play much more aggressively because the offense scored a ton of points. And it's always easier to play with a lead. And I agree with you. I think de defensively last year they tried to play quick, and so when you don't burn up possession time, y your defense is just going to get worn down. I'm totally with you. I and I'm kind of curious, too. I I've never really had a chance to talk to too many coaches, but I wonder if, if those uh, coaches moving fr from offense back on defense, if it changed their concepts at all. Coaching on that other side gave them some maybe different ideas or something different they saw that will make them much more effective. I, I would like to think so. But, you know, doing it only one season, maybe they were just kind of out of place and never got comfortable, and now they're back more comfortable, and maybe it was just something they struggled with. Yeah, and, and I think that's the biggest thing. is is And that and I like the word you used, comfortable. Yeah. You've got to make sure that these kids are in a position where they are comfortable with what you are running. Yeah. As much as it was with the offense not being able to execute and not being able to uh, extend drives and, and throw the defense back into the wolves, if you will, exhausted as they were, there were times where I see this defense unable to execute simple things like tackling. Third and longs, I mean, I think Ken State, I can't remember like that, third and seven, third and eight, third and 12, and they get they gash them on a run for 17, yeah. 18 yards. How much of it was them not being comfortable with the defenses that were being called? 
does that change this year? How does Coach Collins, how does Coach Miley fix that issue? That was a big issue. And by the way, they lose a ton of talent from that defense last year. They lose T. Benale, David Woodward, DJ Williams. Uh, I mean, they lose a chunk of guys. Uh, Chris Unga, uh, that they're going to have to make up for. They're going to have to make up for the loss of extremely good talent. And then you also got to worry about you know putting the idea, like as I already mentioned, that you got to be comfortable with with uh, with what with what's being called. No, I think you're absolutely right, and that's what you know we kind of heard in in readers' um, press conferences. He talked about that or alluded to it. You know, I want to find out what these guys are good at, and we'll figure it out from there. And it's it's same thing. Any any coaching staff, any side of the ball, offense or defense, you want to find what they can do and try and maximize their strengths while hiding their deficiencies. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll get into more Utah State football tomorrow. Eric Franson will be back in studio with me, and we'll we'll dissect it a little bit more uh, and uh, and talk a little bit more about what we expect out of this uh, new regime, if you will, under Coach Gary Anderson, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And, by the way, how is the special teams going to be handled now? All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, baseball is taking a front seat without a will and without breaks. Not a good thing with a moving car. We're going to talk about that. It's all coming up. AJ Knight on that side. I'm AJ Salson here. It's 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. The Full Court Press, Thursday evening, 447. Your time here as we get you ready to wrap up the first hour. AJ Knight, that side. Host of the Morning VFX Show, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 94.5, VFX with the wonderfully talented McCall Taylor. Thank uh, you. Yeah, your name's not McCall, and you're not wonderfully ta- No, just kidding. I love you. Hey, uh, AJ, in the last yes, day sir. or so of uh, baseball in the MLB. Oh, it's getting ugly. All right, there's a gif of uh, Jose Altuve walking to the home plate after the walk-off home run in the ALCS. Holding his jersey resurfaced today after the Beltron firing, and now people are speculating he was hiding the buzzard uh, buzzers that were allegedly used to steal signs from the opposing team. Also, everyone continues to freak out about the use of buzzers on players' bodies to determine the pitches thrown by the pitcher. Also, a Twitter account that claimed to be Carlos Beltron's niece broke the news about his hiring and subsequent firing. Also broke the news about uh, Altuve using the buzzer, and he also, or excuse me, has also alleged that Gliber Torres. Used a buzzer and stuck it on his leg. Also, finally, icing on the cake. I saw uh, saw somewhere on uh, Twitter that someone alleged that Mike Trout was using HGH because it got approved by the league and has been using HGH for the past couple of years. In just 72 hours, baseball is breaking Twitter in the worst of ways. Let's start with the Mets firing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Carlos Beltran, we hired you. Oh, wait, just kidding. He didn't get to coach anything. I... I I think it's hypocritical because the MLB didn't punish him. And I get he did it as a player, and don't get me wrong, what he did was wrong. I don't I don't think it's fair for the Mets. Also, just real quick, they're still owned by the Wilpons who made their money and the Madoff scheme. So them firing a guy for quote unquote <laughs> cheating is the pot calling the kettle black. Uh <laughs> you ever seen The Godfather? Uh very, very long time ago in bits and pieces. Astros, disgraced. Red Sox, disgraced. Altuve, disgraced. Bregman, disgraced. Mike Trout, disgraced. Today, we took care of all the family business. <laughs> I mean, I just like, that's the way you look at it. It makes me so sad, too, because, like, Altuve, how do you not cheer for him? Because he's, like, four foot eight, 
And he was an he's an MVP candidate and all that. And then they find out about this. And you're like, eh, well, I hate you now. So you suck. Okay, so here's the thing. Mike Trout seems like the most pure baseball player we thought we had left on this planet. Yeah. If he if he is using HGH, this future guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer, does that tag get removed from him? I don't know because it seems like. It, can can they prove it? I mean, that's really what it has to be. If it gets if he's if it's proven, yeah, I would say yes. But I mean, probably because it seems like baseball writers are still punishing the confirmed steroid users, even though they're trending up. Um, I I think so because I think the big argument with um with Barry Bonds and with um the Rocket was uh, that they were they were Hall of Famers before they turned to the substances. Mike Trout's still fairly young. I think you might make the argument if if it's confirmed, you'd be like, well, maybe maybe he's not as great as everybody thought. So do you remember who Scott Barocious is? Former Yankees guy, right? Okay. He, great Yankees player. Okay. Uh, then became a third base coach for the Mariners. His son put out on Instagram, my dad was a third base coach for the Mariners in 2017. The Mariners knew they were cheating. Every team did. The MLB did. He knew exactly how they were doing it in 2017. The MLB just wasn't going to do anything about it until the public found out. My dad would give fake, and this he's talking about the Astros here. Uh-huh. My dad would give fake signs at third, acting like he knew what the Astros pitcher was going to throw, and Corin Hinch would scream at him, calling it Bush League. Weird how that works. He continues, if you want to read something better, Mike Trout takes HGH for a thyroid condition. It's a loophole he found, and the MLB doesn't make it public because they don't want fans knowing their best players on HGH. But people within know thought you'd appreciate since you're a Dodgers fan replying to somebody. Man, that would be bad for baby. That would not be a horrible. good week for that, yeah, it, I mean, you want to talk about a black guy. Someone, the commissioner's going to be drinking lots of wine for the next, like, three weeks. Yeah. Just to get through this one. This one is ugly. Now, in regards to the Jose Altuve situation, we all kind of uh, we alluded just a little bit. Uh, but Jose Altuve... Uh, when he was jogging after a walk-off home run, the tradition is for the Astros to rip the jersey off the player. Jose Altuve, there's a video of him showing as he's covering up his jersey, do not rip my jersey off. When the announcer asked him about it after the game, he said, oh, I don't know, you know, my wife got mad at me, something like that. Bull. Bogus. Absolute bull. Bogus. Maybe you had a wire tapped onto you. You didn't want people to see that wire. That's, Ask you about it. Yeah, that's that's... Weak sauce. I Weak would, sauce. I would absolutely agree with you on that one. All right, we got to take a break, but first of all, we, let's get to this Nate Kregman in this week of the Mountain West. This is your Mountain West basketball update with Nate Kregman. Wyoming and Nevada down to the wire Tuesday night in Reno. 13 seconds to play. Cowboys looking for the upset, but Wolfpack with the basketball. Harris drives through the lane. Eurostep, left hand shot for the lead. is good. Nevada leads 68-67, eight seconds. Wyoming ball. Maldonado down the center of the floor. Into the attack right side. Floater with the right hand around. No. Tip follow. No. Battle at the rim. Drew's got it. Nevada win. John Ramey from Learfield IMG College. Jalen Harris, the game winner and a game-high 20 points. Nevada 4-2 in conference. Wyoming still winless in league play. Also Tuesday, 7th-ranked San Diego State overcomes a cold outside shooting night to win at Fresno State. Shoulder shrug, faking the three way outside beyond the arc, and then on that far side of the arc, dribble drive, pull up 17-footer, Malachi Flynn, good! 
Ted Leitner on extra 1360. Flynn, 22 points. Aztecs win at 64-55. Still perfect at 18-0, the last unbeaten in the country. Wednesday, Colorado State hits a program record 19 threes to blow out New Mexico. Pass to Carvacho at the high post. Skip pass to the corner. Catch and shoot three. Thistlewood. Why not? Right down the barrel for Adam Thistlewood. Brian Roth from Learfield IMG College. CSU wins big 105-72. UNLV 5-1 in Mountain West play. Rebels handle San Jose State Wednesday at the Thomas and Mack. Knight bangs into Mbake, puts it up no good. And the ball to Donnie Tillman. Tillman, middle of the floor. Donnie needs to get rid of it. He does to Hamilton for the slam dunk. John Sandler on ESPN 1100, 98-87 the final. Bryce Hamilton, 16 points. Your other Wednesday final, Air Force over Boise State, 85-78. Women's Hoops Wednesday, Wyoming, 83. Nevada, 59. The Cowgirls snap a three-game losing streak. And that's your Mountain West basketball update. I'm Nate Kreckman. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. It's an interesting time for the NCAA and college sports in general. Everything points to players having an opportunity to earn extra money. The public wants it, and thanks to states passing new laws, the NCAA has to act. Enter Odell Beckham Jr. After his former school, LSU, won the national title, he was handing out money to some of the players on the field. At first, the team said it was fake money. Subsequent reports bring that into question. So amidst the Tiger celebration, they now might have to deal with an NCAA investigation. Getting cash from an NFL player on the sideline is certainly an improper benefit. I doubt anyone wants this Beckham incident to blow up. There are plenty other issues to deal with already, but OBJ made sure everyone saw this, and now the NCAA can't ignore it. Maybe one day this kind of thing won't be a problem. Today, it's another headache for an organization that has more than enough on their plate in the coming months. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.